Broadcasting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. Talk Show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting news the networks refuse to use, no doubt, starts now. This, my fellow Americans, is indeed the broadcast for April the 7th. In the year of our Lord 2021, this is our one of two, and our goal always to promote God, family, and country, and to protect life, liberty, and property in the traditions of our founding fathers. Yes, indeed, ladies and gentlemen, we use the blueprint for liberty, the supreme law of the land, the Constitution for the United States of America. That is our guide. And absolutely, we're convinced the checks and balances brilliantly put in place by the founding fathers. One of the great peaceful restorative solutions we have at our fingertips, as you know, we reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. Welcome to the broadcast. Hope you're all doing absolutely fantastic. Yesterday, our first guest was Patrick Simmons, National Right to Work Legal Defense Foundation. Find out. Find out if you live in a right to work state, ladies and gentlemen. Believe it or not, 27 states currently protect rights for workers. They call it worker freedom, if you will. Righttowork.org is the website for that. That is righttowork.org. And we talked to Patrick Simmons and answered a couple of the following questions. Is forced unionism about to become the law of the land? Will big labor kill all 27 right-to-work state laws? Time will tell. We'll keep an eye on that ball. But no doubt, Joe Biden and the Democrat crew are going ballistic as they do their very best to force unionism on the rest of us. Big Labor's crown jewel legislation uh, is the PRO Act, is what they call it. It's H.R. 824. It already passed the House of Representatives, H.R. 824. Or more appropriately, you could call it the Pro-Union Boss Act, is what some are calling it. It's on the fast track. It's a grab bag of big labor's wish list over the last 50 years. It's the worst idea of the last 50 years. If it passes, ladies and gentlemen, all your right-to-work laws will be obliterated in one big legislative massive abuse. Yeah, your right-to-work will be gone in the blink of an eye, ladies and gentlemen. I kid you not. This is serious. Card check, government-imposed unionism will become the law of the land. Do you want that, folks? I say not. Now listen, workers will be banned from hearing anything but union propaganda. You speak out against it, they'll literally start to arrest you. This is getting serious indeed, folks. We also talked about the Support the Freedom from Union Violence Act. That's right. So reject the PRO Act, but support the Freedom from Union Violence Act, would you please? What if I have a religious exemption to being affiliated with a union? Doesn't matter. You'd still be stuck in a union. You can divert your dues to a charity, but that's the best you can do to get out of supporting a union right now, ladies and gentlemen, because the laws are already so abusive and in, in, in favoritism of the unions as it stands. By the way, we talked about for the rest of the broadcast after we let Patrick Simmons fly, we talked about spurred by lockdown. Spain gives four-day work week a try. Experimenting with cutting back one work day a week is literally rolling out across Spain, nationwide in Spain. They say a massive three-day weekend would be delightful because it would really help out the entertainment industry. 
Um, they say entertainment and tourism is a backbone of the Spanish economy. So that's quite interesting. Four-day work week mandated by the government. Imagine that. I'm against that. But I'm for the four-day work week. I believe a lot of times we could work, you know what, 32 to 40 hours. I personally support a 10-hour-a-day, three-day work week. That would be 30 hours of your normal work hours. And then you could flexibly fill in the last 10 to 15 hours of your work, so 40, 45-hour work weeks, but yet you would have flexible time. Uh, most people could alternate days and keep businesses open even six days a week this way quite easily. Uh, but yet you would be working three days a week yourself, three 10-hour days, that's 30 hours, then 10 flex hours, and it would give people really, really a lot of room. Traffic would be less on the street because people would be out less, driving to work, etc., etc. People would be working from home. You could keep businesses open six days a week. However, it's a great idea, but I would never mandate it by government edict, and that's what they're talking about doing in Spain. So very interesting, to say the least. That was hour one, as we talked about your right to work. Hour two, we talked about dozens of big companies paid zero federal income taxes. A lot of people are complaining, saying they ought to be paying more tax. I disagree. Why don't we just not tax the rest of us? What are you talking about, saying we've got to have taxes to pay for government? I know, but we don't need the Communist Manifesto income tax, backed by abusive IRS agents. What we need is appropriate apportionment taxes and tariffs at the border. And we need to reject IRS and income and property taxes. Those are planks of the Communist Manifesto, folks. So we need to reject unconstitutional taxes and embrace proper role of government constitutional taxes to only pay for the legitimate proper role of government and nothing more. They need less money. I'll tell you that right now. We then talked about, uh, well, Ammon Bundy's situation. Ammon jumped on the radio with us. And he denounces corruption in Idaho. Bottom line is Ammon Bundy got arrested months ago back in August. Turns out that he was just peacefully trying to participate in the legislative process. He was at the Capitol building. They basically claimed that he trespassed. It's not true. Ammon Bundy's and Aaron Smith's incredible motion to dismiss was not filed in court, but was shared in public. And believe it or not, the court of public opinion apparently moderated the judge. This is pretty good news, folks to send this egregious action to what they call mediation. That's interesting. I've never heard of somebody trespassing, a criminal situation they claim, and then the judge saying, hey, let's uh, send this to mediation by force. Does that mean this is not a legitimate court case? You decide. But mediation, what does Ammon mediate there? Either he committed a crime or he didn't. I don't know what you mediate in this case, but the judge ordering mediation. Does the judge have authority to do that? Does uh, Ammon Bundy have to mediate as opposed to have a jury of his peers, as opposed to having an, what, they call it a speedy trial, right? Very interesting. What would you do if you're king or queen for a day? We asked that question because that's really <laughs> how it is where the, the governors just literally and some of these public officials are making themselves king. They literally believe they have ownership of your body. That they can demand you go places, not go places, be places, do things, not do things as you wish. I mean, think of the Colorado um, cake maker. No, he doesn't want to bake a cake for the gays. Fine, doesn't have to. But yet now the transgenders are saying, you got to bake a cake for me. You're going to court again. So much for double jeopardy, right? Well, Ammon Bundy then, hey, can't be in a public place at the Capitol because he's trespassing. They're literally claiming that the government land or the government building the public building is owned by public officials, and therefore they can claim it's private property, and they can claim that Ammon Bundy trespassed. This is some of the weirdest cases we've ever seen in our lives. We're talking about mediation 
first question I have is who the heck is the victim? Who is the victim in this mediation circumstance they're calling for uh, in Idaho against Ammon Bundy? Very strange indeed. We defend Ammon Bundy. We'll keep an eye on that ball just for you. And speaking of that, the good Sheriff Richard Mack with me. Welcome to Liberty Roundtable Live, my friend. Sam, thank you so much for having me this beautiful Wednesday morning. What do you think? Are you caught up on the Sam and Bundy story? Uh, I got part of what you said, and I hadn't heard. I, I know they were trying to charge him with trespass, but it would still uh, be that he has no lawful business being there. No matter who owned it, you know. I, you know, it, but, but besides, I think that's completely bogus. Those public officials do not own those buildings. Those are paid by tax dollars. They did not pay for them. Uh, how would they be able to go and get a title to uh, public buildings and courthouses? You know, they they can claim that they're in charge of protecting those buildings and in charge of uh, maintenance and blah blah blah, and that they were voted in by the public to, and they're in charge of those. You know, so um, you could still trespass on a pub, at a public building. Uh, you know, you you have no business there. They told you to leave. They're telling you you have no business there, and and you still stay after that. You know, that's a debatable tres- a legitimate trespass. But but to claim that they own the buildings, uh, yeah, no, that that's not going to fly in court. And uh, you right, know, so let me he, let me understand this though. How do you pick and choose individuals if it's a legislative session, if the Capitol's right. open to the public, which it is in the legislative session? How do you just pick right. and choose and say, Ammon, you don't have the right to be here. You're trespassing. We're going against you individually versus, say, Richard Mack or Sam or somebody else who's there. Um, right. Ammon Bundy there peacefully, not interrupting the proceedings, not doing anything that would uh, be legitimate for uh, concern or for a legitimate complaint and or an eviction. How do you say Ammon trespasses, but the average, you know, lady sitting over there doesn't? You can't have it both ways. Well, I would like to see what their reasoning was. Uh, from what I understand, he refuses to wear a mask, and so they're trying to enforce mask mandates. Uh, and he's saying there's no law, and you can't force me to wear a mask. There is no legislative law in the books to force me to wear a mask. Which, which of course, you already know. Uh, you and I see eye to eye completely on that. I totally agree sure. with him. Uh, you know, I'm so uh, uh, out of it with masks, but uh, I've had it with the mask thing. You know, and, and uh, I was in a store yesterday, and uh, there was a couple there, young couple, and I said one of them had a mask. The girl did not, and the guy did. And I said, "Why do you have a mask and she doesn't?" And and I, I wasn't, you know, I was just curious. And he goes, "Oh, I'm just used to it." And uh, she goes, "I'm sick of it." And it's like, oh, well, she's a lot smarter than you are, you know. So anyway, he he actually, he actually took his off. Yeah, I know. But we were having a good time. And, uh, and, so, and my response, though, is they both should be able to choose as they feel like they, you know, exactly. they feel comfortable. Well, if you lived in a free country, yes. Uh, but, but anybody trying to enforce that, you already know. I mean, you, there's always going to be some stupid cops that uh, want to act like Nazis. And say, you know, we're just here to enforce whatever Hitler says. And uh, I'm I'm going to be using that uh, this weekend in my tour in Wisconsin and Minnesota. Have we realized the assault against our lives, our liberties, our faith? To defeat this assault, 
Christians and all people of goodwill should have strategies to prevail in our faith and principles, which are simple. No need for a complex formula. One goal, one aim. A strategy like the heroic Christians of the past. We win, they lose. Nothing less. Big Q, Little Q. The Calm Before the Storm by a friend of Megagoria. The strategy of heaven revealed. Big Q, Little Q. The Calm Before the Storm. Available on Amazon.com or by calling Caritas in the U.S. at 205-672-2000. for Moral Law is a nonprofit legal foundation committed to protecting our unalienable right to publicly acknowledge God. The Foundation for Moral Law exists to restore the knowledge of God in law and government and to acknowledge and defend the truth that man is endowed with rights not by our fellow man, but by God. The foundation maintains a twofold focus. First, litigation within state and federal courts. Second, education conducting seminars to teach the necessity and importance of acknowledging God in law and government. How can you help? Please make a tax-deductible contribution, allowing foundation attorneys to continue the fight. You may also purchase various foundation products as well at morallaw.org. Located in Montgomery, Alabama, the Foundation for Moral Law is a nonprofit, tax-exempt 501c3, founded by Judge Roy Moore. Please partner with us to achieve this important mission, morallaw.org. Back with you live, ladies and gentlemen, Sam Bushman of the Good Sheriff, Richard Mack, CSPOA.org. That's the Constitutional Sheriffs and Peace Officers Association, CSPOA.org. I'm a lifetime member and highly recommend you become one as well. Uh, in the meantime, though, we're talking about the Sam and Bundy case in Idaho. So uh, I don't understand how we look at this, though. How can a, a public official say, listen, Sam, you can enter. The Capitol is open for business. Uh, it is a legislative session, and by law, people have the right to go and witness that session and listen and, and participate in the proceedings to some degree. Uh, now, I get that you can't disrupt the proceedings, and et cetera, et cetera, but how do you single out an Ammon Bundy and say, you know what, we just don't want you here, sir. You are not welcome. You're trespassing, uh, and these other people aren't. Either you've got to kick everybody out, but then the debate comes into play about legislative sessions. Uh, they have the right on specific occasion to go into a closed session, uh, but that's a rarity, and the more they do that, the more it becomes uh, concerning to the people. Uh, and so there's kind of a battle here. How does Ammon get singled out? It's like, Ammon, we don't want you there. But, of course, Richard, you're fine to be here. Do they have that right just to pick and choose who attends and who has the right and not and as if it's their own private property? And that's kind of where the debate comes. Uh, and you can say, well, it's over a mask. And Ammon would say there is no law that I have to wear a mask, and I'm simply not wearing one. And, uh, therefore, that's kind of the discussion points. Uh, they asked well, him the, peacefully. Would, they came over and said, determine. "He would have to determine if he's the only one not wearing a mask." And, and well, if it he is, if he's, he's the only one or not. Well, yeah, it does because that's why they're singling him out. You're talking about as if they're just doing it because he's Evan Bundy. If he's not wearing a mask and everybody else is, he singled himself out in that regard. Now you're, I mean, I'm not, I'm not arguing mask or efficacy or or liking mask. I hate mask. I hate the mandate. I hate anybody trying to enforce it you know 
and just like I said, uh, the, there's always going to be some stupid cop that's willing to act like a Nazi soldier and do whatever Hitler said. And and these guys have been brainwashed and, and inculcated and trained. You do what government tells you to do. You do what the judge tells you to do. You do what the governor tells you to do. I'm here. I. They even think, Sam, that it's a moral high ground to enforce. Yes, they do. The, the, to enforce whatever they are told. And I don't like the laws either. I don't like masks either. I don't want to wear this mask. This is a stupid thing. I, I, I don't like masks any more than you do, but we have to do it for the better of society. And and so, you know, that's the thing. That's, that's their claim. So here's what yeah. happened. Then he got arrested. He then, uh, they had some lawsuits. There are several different suits against him or whatever certain details. Um, and uh, the bottom line is they don't have him on a mask violation. They have him on a trespassing violation and they've already dropped some of the cases, but there's some remaining. And now the judge is begging Ammon or forcing Ammon to go to mediation. Are uh, is mediation appropriate in a case like this? Uh, yeah, I think so. I, I would be curious and, to and, know and what, what they think that is. And what Ammon, I would really what like Ammon to would say it. is. What Ammon would say is, look, you accuse me of trespassing. I submit to you that I'm not trespassing. Uh, the mask is a separate issue, which we're not discussing right now because you filed trespassing. Right. And I'm not trespassing if the other people aren't trespassing. And therefore, I, you know what? I don't have, there's nothing for me to mediate here. Yeah, I would be, you know, I would still be curious to see what it is. He doesn't, it doesn't change anything if he goes to mediation. If he, if he says, well, no, this does. mediation is bogus. He, he says this is bogus, it, it and does, he walks out. Does, does the court no, have the right to force him to mediation when he has a right no, to it's a voluntary. grievance? No, it's voluntary. Uh, he says, yeah, okay, I'll go to your mediation it? thing. He's not bound by anything at mediation. Well, if he doesn't if like it, orders he, him to mediation. If the, court, if the court orders mediation, he, he just says, no, I want to go to trial. Then it's, but, he, but is it voluntary if they order mediation? Well, this is the problem that we're having. So yeah. you wear a mask or don't wear a mask. We can debate that. He wasn't wearing a mask. I'm sure that caused right. them problems. Um, right. He was in there. They didn't want him there. They gave him a trespass. At the same time, now they're saying we want mediation. He's saying, look, there's nothing to mediate, folks. Either I'm guilty of a crime trespassing or I'm not you need to decide and you need to decide now if there's no crime then there's nothing to mediate if there is a crime let's talk about going to court to see if the jury of my peers agrees with you or not and the problem with this whole discussion is that they're doing everything they can to circumvent the normal process which is a jury of your peers which is a speedy right. trial which is due process of law those things aren't being afforded in this manipulated scenario where the judge says I'm ordering mediation how do you order mediation yeah, well, I would still go and say, okay, what you, what's your deal here? Are you going to dismiss the entire charges and allow me to go about my business uh, without interfering me, with me? I have a right to be left alone, and you can't show me a law. So, I mean, he's not compromising anything by going. Yes. Well, hold on. Uh, I think ordered, that he is, though. He's saying that no, judge has a right to no, force me there. Well, well, okay. That was just what I was going to comment about. Uh, a judge ordering you to participate in a plea bargain 
or to even uh, try mediation. But he can still go. He he can still go and say, uh, "Okay, uh, this is over because you're you're asking me to plead guilty to something, and I'm not going to." But the thing with it is, it seems like you're crossing over a little bit and bleeding over to civil issues, uh, contrary to criminal issues. Well, is and that's Hammond's exact point, is that in civil issues, you can maybe discuss mediation and propose that as an option and all that kind of stuff. And in a criminal case, if he's really guilty of a criminal act, which is trespassing, there's no mediation right. ordered for criminal situations ever. Why would you go to mediation and incriminate yourself? Or why would you go to mediation yeah. and give up <laughs> points uh, in your supposed trial before a period of your jury, or jury of your peers? See, that, that's the point. This isn't making any sense at this point. That, that part is true. Uh, Very you're right. Stuff. Uh, well, mediation uh, in criminal uh, is, I think, the judge should have said, I would like you to consider the uh, plea bargain arrangement that the prosecutor has for you. You know, he's, and he Hammond can't said, order I'm that. not pleading to nothing. I've done nothing wrong. Either show me the crime or let me go. But, but the still, case. it would, help, it would ha- actually help him in his trial to go and see what they're offering. Because, one, it could show Depending. him that they have nothing. And, well, and if and they're offering... The Here's the question. These people are so evil. If you can go to a mediation that could be recorded so that you could document the real mediation that took place, then you're probably correct. On the other hand, if they bring you into mediation and it's behind closed doors and you don't get a chance to speak for yourself, and then they spin how media is, and then they force the lockdown of the real truth of what the mediation was, and you have no ability to defend yourself publicly, it might do you significant damage. No, uh, I disagree. Uh, All he has to do, he doesn't have to say anything. He can he can still plead the fifth. Uh, he can say, uh, "What is this for? What's this meeting for?" Well, we just want this whole thing to go away. Okay, what are you offering? If you are dismissing the charges uh, and and want me to agree to wear a mask when I come here, then you have no deal. If you're dropping everything, that's fine. Uh, but you know, that, I don't see how that's going to hurt him in any way. He, he, in fact, in fact. It will literally show him how scared they are to go to the case, to to go to court, to take it to a jury. He he loses none of his opportunities. Uh, he loses none of his rights. And you, you know, it, to me, Here's it would I just know. be a curiosity thing to go and see. Here's what I know, Jerome Corsi. Jerome Corsi didn't <clears throat> go to a lot of those talks, and he's free and. Roger Stone went to a lot of those discussions, and he's in serious trouble. So all I know yeah. is this. They can spin things certain ways, and you know what? Why go well, to sure. something that the judge has the authority to mandate a mediation or he doesn't? He Answer doesn't. that for me. He doesn't. All right, if he doesn't, then I wouldn't go to one. Yeah, either way, I, you know, I, again, I would, I would do it only out of curiosity. Is not going to yeah, hurt. Yeah, what I would say is, what I would say is, if you guys want to mediate this thing, why don't we mediate it in public? You know what? I'll, I'll rent a uh, conference room at a hotel, or I'll rent some venue, <laughs> and uh, you know what? We'll uh, have a public mediation. Yeah. You guys arrested me in public for trespassing. I say it's bogus. This is all about. I, I like, I like that's about that idea. I, that's a good idea. He's a, yeah. Uh, I'll, because I'll, I want a jury I'll of my it. peers, and you're not giving me one, so we'll make one by this public mediation. No, and they're not denying him. Let the public learn about this. No, 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 no. They're not denying him a jury. 
a, a mediation has nothing to do with it. It's just a plea bargain arrangement, and, and you're right about that. The judge has no authority to mandate it, uh, and, and that's where he could, he could uh, be filing a, 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 a court order right there. He could be filing uh, a writ. What am I, what's the word I want to say? Anyway, he could be filing an objection to that. Anyway, very, yeah. very interesting is all I can say. Quick pause. Stay right there, Sheriff, because I want to compare this to the illegal alien discussion. Ammon Bundy and the American people are always in serious hot water, but yet illegals? Running around free, backed by your government dollars. Quick pause. We'll talk about it on your radio. Proclaiming liberty across the land. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Lance Pride. President Biden on Tuesday moved up the COVID-19 vaccine eligibility target for all American adults 18 plus to April 19th. That's less than two weeks away. Former Major League Baseball Commissioner Faye Vincent came out firing shots at Rob Manfred after he made the decision to move the All-Star Game out of Georgia. Dissatisfaction to voting laws that strengthen the system's integrity was the reason given. Vincent said Manfred made a decision without first protesting the substance of the law. He added that Manfred made a serious mistake. Brazil confirmed more than 4,000 COVID-19 deaths in a 24-hour period for the first time on Tuesday, overwhelming the country's health system. Here in America, the CDC is reporting nearly 80% of school teachers, school staff, and child care workers have received at least one dose of the coronavirus vaccine. On the downside, Michigan now leads the nation in new COVID cases. This is USA Radio News. It's totally normal to be constipated with belly pain, straining, and bloating again and again. No way. You could have a chronic condition called irritable bowel syndrome with constipation, or IBSC. Linzess, or linaclotide, is a prescription that treats IBSC in adults. Linzess works differently than laxatives to help relieve belly pain and let you have more frequent and complete bowel movements. Individual results may vary. Do not give to children less than 6, and it should not be given to children 6 to less than 18. It may harm them. Do not take Linzess if you have a bowel blockage. Get immediate help if you develop unusual or severe stomach pain, especially with bloody or black stools. The most common side effect is diarrhea, sometimes severe. If it's severe, stop taking Linzess and call your doctor right away. Other side effects include gas, stomach area pain, and swelling. Talk to your doctor today. You may be able to save on Linzess and make fewer trips to the pharmacy. See if you're eligible to pay as little as $30 for 90 days. Visit Linzess.com or call 1-800-L-I-N-Z-E-S-S. Sponsored by Abbey and Ironwood Pharmaceuticals. As new laws to protect the integrity of American elections moves forward, some in corporate America take offense. Showing an ID to vote has the President of the United States calling it Jim Crow laws. Jim Crow laws were state and local laws that enforced racial segregation, none of which can be found in the new Georgia voting laws. As the movement moves into Texas, corporate resistance is met with admittance they never read the laws before making knee-jerk reactions. Tim Berg from the Phoenix USA Radio News Bureau has more. Texas Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick is criticizing a major North Texas business raising complaints about two election bills in the legislature. Is that okay with you, Mr. America Airlines? I can name other companies, but America Airlines seems like leading the charge on these types of issues. Patrick saying the Fort Worth-based American Airlines officials warned his office they'd oppose the bill, but the government liaison admitted to not reading the bill. Thank you for listening. It is well appreciated. We are USA Radio News.
right, Richard Mack with me, ladies and gentlemen, CSPOA.org. So Sheriff Hammond Bundy's statements are simple on this. Uh, did I trespass? Yes or no? If I did, let's discuss it. If I didn't, I'm free to go. When it comes to the arrest, I was illegally put in jail because they don't have a right to claim that I'm trespassing. The proof in the pudding that he's correct is they've dismissed a couple of the cases, and now they're trying to mediate the other ones to somehow get him to cop a plea bargain in some way. And his response is, look, I just want a jury of my peers if I'm guilty of something. And if I'm not guilty of anything, then I want to be free to go. Take your pick. Either I trespassed or I did not. And either the judge has authority to mediate and force me to do so, or he does not. Which is it? Answer quickly, please. Fair statements, right? Yeah, all fair. All totally. In fact, that probably should have happened. The fact is, they're not doing it, and it's a big old hoopla, and it's taken months and months and months and months. Did Ammon challenge that? You know, did he say, are you requiring me to go to mediation on a criminal matter? Well, he's trying to figure that out now, but the court ordered it. The court ordered it. Yes. Yeah, he, yeah he, should, he should be challenging that now, then. He should be filing a motion. He should be, that's the one I wanted. He should be filing a motion before the court. Oh, he's working on it. Yeah, okay, good. Yeah, because that's... They, a, that's he's been filing motions back and forth for literally eight months on the speedy trial. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? This, this is what I mean, and this is why I'm taking his side on this. Because, look, the, the government, the problem that I'm having with the government on this is, let's just be clear. Does the judge have authority to mandate mediation by court order? Yes or no? If he doesn't, no, then the judge needs doesn't. to be put up on criminal charges. Well, I don't know if it's a crime if you make a mistake in court, but, you know. Well, but hold on now. If you're a judge and you're ordering someone to go to something that you don't have authority to order them to do so, you either need to retract it immediately or be accountable for it. Take your pick. Well, he, being accountable doesn't mean just that it's a crime. Because, you, know, he, he you know, he's not intentionally committing a crime necessarily, but he he's the judge seems to be grasping at straws and doesn't seem to really know, be, uh, know what he's doing. Uh, but I, I don't think it rises to the level of a crime. He can be san- sanctioned or he can, you know, just, oh, well, whoops, made a mistake here. You know, yeah, yeah, uh, I recommend that and you how do long, that. How long can he take? how long can he take before we say it's a mistake versus somehow he's obstructing the law? And violating Ammon's right to a speedy trial and to a jury of his peers. At what point do you well, say, well, it doesn't really rise to this level. He's a good dude, grasping at straws. The poor guy's confused. The judge is an ignorant yeah. Uh, yeah, party. Yeah, but I don't, know what, really you, I don't know what you would charge him with. What would you charge him with? You know, and, well, first off, ignorance of the law is no, no excuse. And so if you're malfeasance, mandating be, someone. Well, I'm thinking out loud. It could be malfeasance. But sure. Um, but Ammon, Ammon should have brought that up, you know, you know, right then and there, you know, and, and uh, but I admit. Well, when you say right then was, and there, hold on. Yeah. They've been filing these motions back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and out of several different uh, scenarios, they've already dismissed a bunch of it. Ammon's been yeah. in discovery to force the proof that they don't have authority. Um, this right. is where Ammon understands that they now claim it's their property, where they now, okay, all these things are being discovered along yeah. the way, and the judges are backtracking, and the attorneys and the, um, you know, cops and everybody else sure. are backtracking, and Ammon continues to discover more information and ask serious, serious, alligator type questions. They keep sidestepping and avoiding it. And and then, and the speedy trial just continues his, to be uh, elusive. His motion should have just been then, no, uh, uh, I'm pleading not guilty. Let's have trial. Hello. Let's go. So he did. He did. And he yeah. put a public uh, motion to dismiss. And he basically, instead of submitting it to the judge, he put it to the public. And the judge is already backed off and scrambling and now begging for mediation. 
So yeah, this is what I'm talking uh, about. Is it's just like I've never heard this kind of stuff before. But the judges they're, they're are literally trying, their heads handed to them. They're, they're trying their very best to get rid of this and to get rid of him and save face at well, the same time. Why don't they quit being criminals? Why don't they quit being criminals and why don't they uphold the law and either dismiss it or prove the they charges and have face. a speedy trial? Yeah, they got to save face. We're face. We're interested in the law. Well, I know that, but I'm just telling you what and they're doing. And here's what's going to happen. Here's, you're right. I completely agree. But here's what's going to happen, Sheriff. If judges continue to save face when they're involved in criminal activity, like illegally arresting people, illegally right. throwing people in jail, dragging this on for months and months and months and months and months, denying people speedy trials, uh, denying people the right to a redress of grievance, denying people the right to a jury of their peers, at some point, if they continue to save face on case after case after case after case, look, Emmons already served two years in prison for nothing. Okay. Yeah. If they keep this up, eventually what they're going to do is destroy the whole court system to where there will be no law. They'll just be thugs and uh, out-of-control bureaucrats and cops and judges and who knows where else to where we'll just absolutely lose complete faith in the whole system. Is that what they want? Because that's what they're going to get if they uh, keep it up. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much nationwide what's going on. That's why we're so busy at CSPOA, you know. <laughs> But but yeah, don't so, you agree that if this keeps up, though, at some point, the American people are just going to lose faith in the whole court system. We've already lost faith in Congress. You, you think we haven't already? Man, I, I have. Uh, yeah. and, and, well, I still you know, think there's still, some justice in courts on occasion, and I think there's still a lot of good people yeah, and a lot of yeah, good things but, happening. And there's still the rule of law in America. It's not completely destroyed, but it's, it's working on it. Yeah. Because if there's no if there's no uh, accountability at the legislative branch, and, and there's zero, in other words, nothing to hope for. There's zero accountability at the judicial branch, nothing zero to hope for. And we know that the presidency was already a stolen election. If you believe that scenario, then you might as well just say, "Hey, we're ready for revolution," right? And I say we're not there yet. Yeah. Well, I hope we never get there. Um, I'm hoping that we can prevent it. Uh, and it, I'll tell you what, though, the telltale um, issue on that will be how far the feds try to take this ridiculous uh, gun control proposals. They're You're right. But whether it be gun control or denying people their rights, for example, you got Ken Cromar being abused by the IRS. He's got them on the run. They're scrambling and delaying the cases and refusing to produce information for Ken Cromar. You got Ammon Bundy where they're running from him now. You've got this situation of gun control where, hey, the president, oh, it doesn't rise to the level of criminal activity for the president to deny your guns. And, you know, where do we go when they always say, hey, it never, they're never criminals no matter what they do. Of course, they can put you behind bars for two years without a speedy trial of your peers, a speedy trial, a jury of your peers. Uh, you can go to jail for two years, but, hey, they're not really criminals. There's no accountability there. It doesn't rise to the level of anything. See, you know, right. we could just go down this road to where I'm no, telling you I, at some yeah, point. Yeah, I believe, I believe it is criminal in uh, some situations, but my point about the judge, though, I don't believe was a crime. Yeah, you know, what can the judge can do without committing a crime? You could well, you could maybe get to malfeasance, but you, you know, but was it? In, you'd have to still prove that that was intentional, and he intended to, intended to deny Ammon his rights, and and I don't think how you I think prove he's that if they won't let you subpoena. How how can you prove that if they won't let you subpoena any documents and gather the evidence necessary? Well, yeah, true. You can't prove vote I mean, fraud if you can't get the docs either. Right, which now is happening in Maricopa County, which 
that's going to be a telltale sign for the election. But I think they've had too much time to, you know, get rid of evidence and change like evidence activity? and alter evidence. And, yeah, more criminal activity. I, well, there's no question. Yeah, of course, if you, any of that. You can't prove it there, uh, yeah. Yeah, it, well, uh, uh, hopefully, I, now, I don't know how to audit those machines, and I don't know what they're going to show and what they're not going to show. But if they can show any, uh, co- you know, covering of evidence and, and exculpatory evidence, if they're trying to, if they can show any of that in this audit that's coming up, they're still arguing about where they can even do the recount. You know, All right, so listen so up. Here's the comparison. So we talked about Ammon Bundy quite a bit because he kind of represents the uh, average American who really cares about their country and wants to get involved. Most folks don't have the guts to trod uh, the ground that Ammon Bundy does. In other words, most that's a real true. That's for, absolutely true. Yeah. For fear most of getting arrested, etc. Yeah, most people would have just paid the fine or whatever and, and got out of there. So he's right a now. trendsetter, and I commend him for his stance. But here's the comparison oh, for your consideration. You ready? is if the illegal immigrant crisis is not bad enough. Homeless Americans have now been booted from a temporary homeless shelter in Southern California to make way, to make room for the illegal aliens. Dozens of them are <clears throat> COVID-19 positive. So now you've got a homeless shelter in California, a temporary <laughs> homeless shelter, and you've got the homeless people being kicked out to make room for the illegals who all have the cocoa. Uh, and Judicial Watch exposed this scandal. Well, um, is anybody surprised? Well, not surprised, not but surprised. again, it probably doesn't rise to the level of criminal activity or anything, right? Um, I don't know. You've got to prove you know, I'm to a tell bad you, guy crossing the border, don't you? Well, to tell no, I'm just looking at telling you as a homeless person you can't stay here tonight. Because we've got to make room for That's other correct, people. That's correct, but the illegal can roll in with COVID, no problem. Yeah. Yeah, well, you, we could talk about those ridiculous mandates till the sun doesn't shine. I don't, you know, it, it, but I don't no know. criminal I'd activity to, there. Uh, maybe so. I don't know. I, but like I say, if it's just kicking somebody out of a room, I don't know. All right, hang tight, ladies and gentlemen. Liberty Roundtable Live, Richard Mack and Sam Bushman on your radio. We've gone into a crazy world turned upside down, haven't we, folks? The spirit of the American West is live and well in Range Magazine, the award-winning quarterly devoted to the issues affecting the American West. Each issue contains informative articles, breathtaking imagery as well as the culture of cowboy spirit today and gift ideas like the 2021 real buckaroo calendar order online from rangemagazine.com loving liberty network salutes the spirit of the american west at rangemagazine.com well my mom smokes and my dad smokes and i saw them smoking so i tried it they're telling me not to smoke but they smoke themselves when it comes to smoking are you sending mixed signals but when you teach someone a certain way to do things and you go back on that certain way it sends mixed signals to the person that they're trying to teach the parents need to be the example smoking if you think you're old enough to start you're smart enough to stop a public service message from this station and the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints isn't this great just the two of us no work no interruptions no phone no tv Finally, we have a chance to just talk. I mean, how long has it been? 
Well, first of all, we should talk about your schedule. There are a few things that could use some adjusting, but overall, I think it's going all right. Basically, I, I think we're doing a pretty good job of communicating, which is good. You're doing a really good job of letting me know how you feel about things. I just, I, I want to keep the, the lines open, if you know what I mean. Jerry? It's four o'clock in the morning. What are you doing? Oh, I was... <laughs> I was just giving Emily a bottle. Who are you talking to? Emily! She's only three weeks old. And she's asleep. I know. I was just practicing. Family, isn't it about time? Isn't this great? Just the three of us. No work, no interruptions, no phone. From the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's Sam Bushman of the Good Sheriff, Richard Mack on your radio. So, Sheriff, I don't mean to be so cynical, but I look at an Ammon Bundy who served in prison for literally two years, and he's guilty of nothing. His attorney gets tased in court. The government literally guilty of all kinds of criminal activity, withholding exculpatory evidence and everything else. Now right. a scenario where basically they say he's trespassing, and by golly, he's not really trespassing, but they said he was, and now they're trying to scramble and... The judge is trying to say, let's go to mediation and all these kind of weird contortions out of these people. I look at a Ken Cromar who's being abused by the IRS. He already lost his home. He's homeless, but now he's battling with them and they are withholding information from him, et cetera, et cetera. And I look at sure. case after case after case and situation after situation across this country. And I say, look, government officials and bureaucrats and professional do-gooders are above the law. And because they're above the law, they're going to absolutely destroy faith in the whole system. And I pray this doesn't happen, but I see the writing on the wall. If you continue well, to abuse IRS the system from that high the level, faith. when will it end? The IRS has been doing that for decades. And, and uh, you know, the American people just, you know, uh, well, you've got to pay your taxes, you've got to pay your fair share. The, the brainwashing and the entire corruption is what we're talking about. The corruption within question. Sure. government is the ultimate problem here. And, and, I agree. Uh, and the question is, will it reach critical mass to the point where we just absolutely destroy the whole system? Or will it just continue on and become more abusive and more abusive over time? What will happen? Well, it's, it's the right of the people to alter or, uh, or abolish uh, such tyranny. And yes, we've never really defined what that looks like in, in keeping it peaceful. We've never defined that. Ever. Well, not you, not me. This is why me. I push... No. Yeah, this is why I push so hard on the criminal activity discussion for bureaucrats and professional do-gooders that are above the law. Because if well, we don't define it eventually, if things get worse and worse and worse and worse, people will push back, will get violent, will push for a yes. government overthrow. And to some degree, I can't argue they'll be somewhat justified in doing so. I am hoping to have an intelligent conversation and put together proposals to change the game before that happens. And that's why I say right. if we were to basically say to this judge, we're going to hand your hat to you on this one. Sir, you can't do that. You can't say Ammon Bundy's trespassing when he's not. You can't scramble because you got caught with your hand in the cookie jar being abusive to Ammon Bundy, and now you don't want accountability for it. You don't want it to be exposed. You can't. If you continue to do this at some point, there needs to be ways that we can create a redress of grievance and accountability for these people. If we don't, eventually we lose the opportunity for a peaceful solution at some point. And I don't know when that is. And I'm doing my very best to bring this all up to say, let's define this a little bit and let's do our best to find ways that are peaceful before it gets beyond that discussion. Well, one of them would be my suggestion that I've made several times, and that is that 
there must be a criminal investigation conducted when a public official violates his oath of office, and that that is perjury, and that would be a lot worse than trespass <laughs> charge. But uh, hopefully, for sure. Uh, but that that needs to be. But again, that still needs to be defined. How do we define when that happens? And so, if Ammon could say, "Yes, he's intentionally," I want a criminal investigation by the sheriff. The judge is intentionally trying to manipulate the system to deny me my right to a, a public and speedy jury trial, uh, and and that could be uh, and that could be uh, legitimate. But if the judge is just still trying to find a way to get this resolved and get rid of Ammon and still save face, because it sounds like that's exactly what he's trying to do, and that's what he's that's what he wants, and and so he's hoping that the mediation would get Ammon to say, okay, yeah, I'll plead guilty to a a, a lesser charge, or or this could, this could even happen, I'll plead guilty, and then if I don't have any other. Uh, arrests or problems or violations for a year, then the whole thing is squashed. I don't pay anything. I don't pay any fines. I don't have anything on my record. The whole thing is dismissed. That is still a possibility, and I think that's probably what they would, the government would take, the prosecutor would take that, and then Ammon would have to promise not to trespass again or whatever, you know, kind of thing. And here's so, what Ammon would say. Yeah, Here's he what Ammon no. would say. Since I didn't trespass in the first place, why would I I'm ever agree to such a foolish notion? I know. Why would I, I ever lie? You. <laughs> why would I ever lie and say I'm guilty of something that I'm not guilty of? Either prove my guilt or let me go. Yeah. True. So. Anyway, I I, th- I agree with every point you're making in the sense that I, I understand that it is the way it is. I understand that you're going to foul the law when bureaucrats get on a on a on a bender for power. Uh, I yeah. agree with it. You know, I understand your side. I understand Ammon's side. All I'm saying is, at some point, the government bureaucrats who are trying to cover things up and hold on to power, and the patriots who are sick of it, at some point there will be unpleasant results if we don't find ways forward that are peaceful and ways forward that hold government bureaucrats accountable for abusing their power. At some point, this will boil over. And my whole reason for pushing so hard and bringing this up is that I want to find a way to not have it boil over, to not have it get out of control like that. And so even though it sounds like I'm kind of not satisfied and pushing hard, I'm really doing this in an effort to say, how, how can we get it peaceful? If we don't, at some point, it will not go well. No, and, and I've asked that same question for a long time, you know, uh, and I've told people if we continue to frustrate people and they have the, the people that are being abused and they have no place to turn, I mean, that's right in my books. If the people have no place to turn to someone in public office to defend them from the corruption of local government or state or federal, it doesn't matter. If there's nobody to turn to, that frustration is going to boil over, and it's going to become violent. And and I'm sorry to say that. I'm sorry to see this going on. But what the IRS has done to people for decades uh, is the epitome of that frustration. And people have committed suicide over it. People have gone to prison for their uh, almost their entire lives over this sort of thing. And the IRS is so smug about it. And then local officials... Uh, like your sheriff, uh, uh, very smug about it, you know, 
hey, that's a, you know, I, I have to pay my taxes too. And, uh, you know, I've been audited and I've been abused by the IRS too, you know. And uh, so, so, so I don't have to do anything about it then, you know. And so sheriffs are intimidated by the IRS just like everybody else. That's where the IRS has their power and makes their money. And nobody's ever going to do anything about it. And, and uh, so that's why uh, I agree that sooner or later this is going to get violent and the, the American people are going to rise up in, in righteous indignation uh, with their gun in their hand. And uh, they keep pushing the envelope on this, and, it, yeah, it's going to happen sometime unless the people finally have recourse and someone that will uh, interpose on their behalf. Now, they've already started to restrict ammo to the point where you can't get ammo. And if they really have their way and they push these Democrats, they're led by Joe Biden and crew, if they literally yeah. push and deny you your guns or make that more difficult, the question becomes the founding fathers were really, 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 really patient until they came for the guns. And then the founders said, well, if we don't draw a line in the sand now, <laughs> we'll never be able to, you know. And so are we almost to that point, too? Well, it kind of seems like it. Uh, I, you know, I don't you know want us to be there, though. I hope not to. Yes. I hope not. But the the gun thing might just be the the straw that breaks the camel back. But I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think it's going to get through. It's it's just too. First of all, it's too crazy and un, 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 all unlawful uh, for them to think so they can do, think do that. Stop in the Senate. Executive order. They can't do it on executive order, and they know they can't. Or. Maybe they can because, hey, we make everybody wear a mask on executive order, so why not? So I just don't think they can, they can nullify the Second Amendment by executive order. Well, and the question becomes, will they overreach too far? And when they do overreach too far, if they do, how, you know, what yeah. will we do to stop the overreach? You know, can we have a right. peaceful way to prosecute right. some of these um, you know, bureaucrats and, and Sometimes many of them are appointed officials, not even elected officials. The elected officials right. are pretty um, adept at making sure that appointed folks do the dirty work kind of a thing, uh, etc. So it's, it becomes a jurisdictional nightmare, etc. Uh, but the point is, are, if they overreach, are we going to be able to find peaceful ways to deal with this? Yeah. That's, that's really my hope, and I'm just not sure what steps to take. I don't know who can step up. Everybody's afraid, even those who... Like the sheriffs, as you mentioned, are afraid. Even those who we had hoped would help us, uh, or we could go to, are saying. Well, I think not. I me. think you'll see a unification of sheriffs if if the gun control thing happens. I think you'll see a unification of sheriffs that we've never seen before in this country. But I still, you know, that might be kicking the Utah sheriffs back into high gear. But I really worry. That's one state I really worry about: the sheriffs of Utah. Where are they? What are they doing? You know, they're, they're hiding from us, and you have to ask, what are they afraid of? What is it that the sheriffs of this country who refuse to keep their oaths of office, what are they afraid of? Sheriff, I, let, me just, yeah. let me just explain to you that my pension is about three years away, and you, my friend, are about to screw that up. <laughs> yeah, pensions are part of it, no question. But these guys already have their – some of them already have their pensions safe and secure. I mean, okay, so I have a 25-year pension or I have a 27-year pension. I mean, big deal. 
you know, so now if it's a younger guy, you know, who has seven or eight, nine, ten years in, eleven, and, he, you know, he needs eight more years or something like that, uh, I can see them really worried about that. But at the same time, you, you can't be worried about your personal pension uh, and not be worried about and, and sacrificing liberty for your own pension. That's the part that really gets me mad at, at these sheriffs. They're willing to sacrifice American liberty of the people that they work for, that they gave a promise to, uh, for their, to, to, to make sure that they stay in. And there's no guarantee that they're going to stay in, and especially if they don't stand for liberty and interposition for their people, uh, they, that might cost them the election. You know, most of the time the sheriffs want this, though. They don't want to cause any waves, and they want to do as little as they can, especially in the public eye, with as little uh, publicity as they can get. Most of that, and that's most politicians. They just want to bide their time and not be in the forefront of any issue whatsoever. And and then uh, and then people go, oh well, I haven't heard much about them. Uh, yeah, let's go ahead and vote for him again. And, you know, he's done a good job. You know, but you make any waves like suing the federal government, uh, that definitely will come back to to haunt you. And Sam, I will tell you, and the good, pretty little blonde girl, can tell you, when I told her I intended to sue the federal government, I told her right then and there when I got back from that meeting that this would cost us our retirement, our job, and career. And it sure did. And I'll say this, the retirement be damned, and let's do what we're supposed to. And good for you for doing it. And if we had enough Americans stand up like the good sheriff has done, ladies and gentlemen, we probably wouldn't be at this crossroads crisis like we are now. And so I encourage everyone to stand up and be counted and tell the tale of liberty, do what is right when... Good men do nothing, evil prospers. So to shut down evil, good men and women need to stand for the sacred cause of liberty. And that's what the sheriff's work, the CSPOA, CSPOA.org is all about. And that's what Liberty Roundtable is all about. For Sam and Richard Mack, God save the Republic of the United States of America. Atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk radio Show. Talk show. All right, happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard hitting news that Empress refused to use, no doubt, continues it now. This, my fellow Americans, is indeed the broadcast for. What is it, already April the 7th? Yes, indeed, in the year of our Lord, 2021. This is our one of two, and our goal always to protect life, liberty, and property and to promote God, family, and country on your radio and the traditions of our founding fathers. Wow, we have so much to talk about, so little time, huh? Last hour, we had a great discussion, myself with the good sheriff, Richard Mack, founder and president of the Constitutional Sheriffs and Peace Officers Association. He wants to create a bridge between the citizens and law enforcement. How do we work together with sheriffs? How do we make a difference? How do we have the people stand with their sheriffs? 
That's what it's all about at CSPOA.org. Spread the word. Become a member today, would you please? And Sam and Mac discuss Ammon Bundy's case and what are we the people to do? We also talked about the illegal immigrant crisis. If that weren't, wasn't bad enough, uh, you know what? Homeless folks are being kicked out of shelters in America. So Americans, homeless, kicked out of shelters to make room for illegal aliens. And the illegal aliens are being led into the United States and put in the shelters with COVID-19 even. So you and I can't walk into a restaurant without a mask on or walk into the public legislator without a mask on without getting arrested. But yet illegals can literally cross the border, kick out an American from a homeless shelter, take over, set up shop, and they're all good. Uh, we'll eventually move them from homeless shelters to hotel rooms and eventually from hotel rooms onto the public dole. And from the public dole, we're going to give them hospitalization and health care and education and the list goes on and on. How does all that work in America, ladies and gentlemen? Ammon Bundy being harassed at public events while the illegals simply get carte blanche pass to hang out and have a good time, pretty much, right? It's insane, ladies and gentlemen. And we talked last hour with Richard Mack about, you know, when can we and how can we hold elected and appointed officials accountable for their actions? You know what? When they do wrong things, how do we what do we do with it, right? Like the president of the United States, Joe, whacked out Grandpa Crazy Joe, all right? They say he doesn't even have the mental capacity <laughs> to be president, but yet there he sits. What do we do about that? How do we deal with that? And can the president become a king? Can he do whatever he wants to do? And the answer is, sadly, it looks like the answer is yes. I hate to admit that, but I can see it on the wall. Let me give you some examples to highlight the point. Biden has a $2 trillion spending plan. It's billed as an infrastructure bill. All right, so we're going to fix the bridges. We're going to fix the dams. We're going to fix the, what? Infrastructure, so the roads. We're going to, okay. But here's the problem is $2 trillion spending plan billed as an infrastructure bill literally spends half, or they say less than half, on infrastructure. So we got an infrastructure bill that we're going to spend less than half the money on infrastructure. What it is, is it's loaded with pork barrel spending. It's just packed with all kinds of bring home the bacon to specific districts and et cetera, et cetera. It's packed with things that have nothing. It's packed with what? Climate change, environmental, quote, initiatives. Where do you go with this kind of thing? Okay, can you hold the president accountable? Or can he just say it's a spending package to build the infrastructure, but yet most of the money's not for infrastructure anyway, and that's just fine. And, well, we're going to have Congress put the bill in the hopper, and we're going to have that bill just grow to epic proportions based on pork barrel spending and bring home the bacon for your district, legislative agenda items, etc. And the bill just bloats, 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 and gets massively big. And then what do we do? We just um, put it in at the last minute into the hopper, and no one has a chance to read it, and we pass that thing, and then bureaucrats and elected officials like Nancy Pelosi and others say, well, you got to read the thing to know what's in it. And well, maybe I guess if we can't read it because it's too big and we don't have time, I guess you're just going to have to, you know, after the fact, after we pass it, then you're going to have to see what's in it to know. And we go right on down the list. Now you got bureaucrats and professional do-gooders that literally sign all this stuff, put it into law, codify it. No one's really read it. No one knows what they've agreed to. Now we got a $2 trillion spending plan that was supposedly billed to the American people as an infrastructure bill to kind of, you know, save the roads and, and, and all this from the dams, from decay, and from, you know, literally crumbling. 
but yet most of it's not even on the infrastructure, and then it gets passed, and then, what, the people are responsible for it? But they've been betrayed by the President of the United States, right? They've been betrayed by their members of Congress. Don't worry. The Biden administration is contemplating a series of tax hikes on high-income earners and corporations that they say could potentially yield more than $2 trillion in revenue over the next decade, according to Bloomberg News. Uh, let me try to understand this, if I might. We're saying, let me get this right. We're saying, ladies and gentlemen, that we're going to have a spending plan of $2 trillion. Then what we're going to do is we're going to have Joe Biden administration contemplating raising taxes on the wealthy and on big business to the 2 to $2 trillion over the next decade to pay for it. And what Joe said on the campaign trail is, well, golly, we've got to have these rich people pay their fair share, fair share for a change. And now it's becoming reality. And what are the American people going to do when this happens? Okay, now Joe Biden said to call for a worldwide tax hike. So now you got the president of the United States. What? I don't know what. I don't know how we deal with this. Right? I don't know where we go with this kind of thing. And you can say, Sam, it's too complicated. Let the bear, let the bureaucrats have it. Let the bureaucrats deal with it. I don't know how to cope with this, folks, because it becomes so egregious, so abusive, so hostile. Biden administration to call for a worldwide tax hike so U.S. companies don't leave after his tax increase. So let me get this straight. Joe Biden is calling for a United States tax on the wealthy and on big business, so much so that I'm telling you right now, companies just are going to want to flee the country. Then he wants to push for a global tax so that even if you flee, you get nailed to the wall. And this is the guy that literally swore an oath to protect America from enemies, foreign and domestic. But he's now going to spend $2 trillion on his environmental, on a special project agenda. He's going to fleece the people $2 trillion to pay for it all. And he's going to back it with a global tax so you don't leave. And this is what I brought up to Richard Mack last hour. When these people commit these kind of criminal acts, well, I guess it doesn't rise to the level of criminal activity there. And it's just a bad policy is all it is. It's not really criminal. It's just bad policy, I tell you. Uh, you know, but can the people stop it? Can the people do anything about it? Can we make a difference or are we just flat out completely, what, what would the word be, disenfranchised maybe? Is that the word we're just disenfranchised and there's nothing we can do about it? What can we the people do? You say, Sam, you got to elect different politicians. Yeah, but the elections are stolen, they say. Some say, well, you can't even say that. It's not true. Deal with the facts, Sam. Well, we don't know what the facts are because we never could get uh, to a jury to subpoena information. To We go right back to the same discussion. If you can't trust the courts, if you can't trust the legislative body, if you can't trust the executive branch, what are we to do? What, are we, what do you do? Well, Sam, you remain peaceful. For how long? 
What level do we allow them to continue to create secret combinations above the people and abuse the laws, violate our liberties, become literal kingmakers up there? Uh, how long do we tolerate that? Uh, do we wait till after they take the guns? Or do we say, wait a minute, whoa, whoa, whoa. You can do a lot of things, but you can't take the guns because if we let you do that, then we'll never be able to fight back. See, this is, these are serious contemplative questions. And I know by me even asking the questions, my enemies and those who want to take advantage of me because of my words and everything else, go look at your Bible for guidance on that in the latter days, if you will. Uh, but they're going to try to say that I'm calling for this, and that's a lie. Okay, let's, let's be clear. That is an absolute lie if they try to spin this that way. Don't let them do it. Be smarter than that, people. Okay, I am saying to you, how do we avoid this crisis? How do we peacefully get those who serve us, those whom we've elected, and then those whom they've appointed, right? How do we peacefully rein them in, make them accountable, hold them to account? How do we do that in ways that make sense, in ways that, that lay the boundaries down? of the separate jurisdictions, the federal versus the states. Uh, that's the, what, vertical and horizontal divide I keep talking about. How do we separate power into the three branches? How do we say, President, you cannot make legislative decisions regarding taxes, period. You're in the wrong branch of government, sir. You can't do it, Joe. You don't have authority. It's not your jurisdictional responsibility based on the Supreme law of the land, designator of responsibility. Okay, it's all laid out there. Government, we give you power by the consent of the governed, and we give it to different branches of government based on written contract, the supreme law of the Constitution for the United States of America. That's where it comes from, right? That's where it is. Okay, how do we make sure, President, you don't step out of bounds? And if you do step out of bounds, which this is what we're discussing, he's stepping out of bounds left and right, <laughs> right? Okay, if he does step out of bounds, what recourse do we have to maybe not take it criminal, but to stop him from doing that and say, you know what, you don't have that right. I know it's the tendency of, of bad men to do this, but Joe, stop. Quick pause. Sam Bushman, Liberty Roundtable Live. I reinstated a policy first put in place by President Ronald Reagan, the Mexico City policy. I strongly supported the House of Representatives pain-capable bill, which would end painful late-term abortions nationwide. And I call upon the Senate to pass this important law and send it to my desk for signing. We are protecting the sanctity of life and the family as the foundation of our society. And most importantly of all, it is the gift of life itself. That is why we march. That is why we pray. And that is why we declare that America's future will be filled with goodness, peace, joy, dignity, and life for every child of God. As a parent, is receiving a faith-based, character-focused education for your children difficult to find? Do you believe that godly principles should be a central component in your child's education? 
Imagine a school where faith and integrity are at its center, where heritage and responsibility instill character. For over 40 years, American Heritage School has been educating both hearts and minds, bringing out academic excellence. This is the school where character and embracing the providence of a living God are fundamental, where students' national test scores average near the 90th percentile. With American Heritage School's Advanced Distance Education Program, distance is no longer an issue. With an accredited LDS-oriented curriculum from kindergarten through 12th grade, your children can attend from anywhere in the world. American Heritage School will prepare your child for more than a job. It will prepare them for life. To learn more, visit American-Heritage.org. That's American-Heritage.org. I want to dedicate this song to Mr. Rupert Murdoch. All right, back with you live, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, the administration, that's the Joe administration, has proposed the largest tax hike in almost 30 years to pay for Joe Biden's almost $2 trillion jobs act. They claim it's a bill slated to fund America's infrastructure. It's a major policy initiative really designed to promote climate research and climate change reality. Axios reported this on Monday. Now, they say Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen is going to be calling for a, quote, I'm sorry, Janet Yellen is calling for a global minimum tax rate to prevent U.S. companies from going offshore. All right? Because here's the problem. The tax changes include raising America's corporate tax rate from 21% to 28%. That's a move that conservatives and moderate Democrats have argued could be devastating for the American middle class. Now listen carefully. In a speech to the Chicago Council of Global Affairs on Monday, Janet Yellen is expected to push for all industrialized nations to raise their corporate tax rates to a, quote, minimum standard to ensure what they call economic competitiveness worldwide. However, she will reportedly argue that the tax rate minimum is for the main purpose of ensuring that those foreign countries have enough revenue to maintain their own governments. They say competitiveness, that's right, competitiveness, is about more than how U.S. headquartered companies fare against other companies in other countries. Because we're talking about global merger and acquisition bids, and the disparity is such a problem, the secretary plans to say. It's about making sure that governments have stable tax systems that raise sufficient revenue to invest in essential public goods and respond to public crises, and that all citizens fairly share the burden of financing government. We are working with, quote, G20 nations to agree to a global minimum tax rate to stop the race to the bottom, she will state. Now, ladies and gentlemen, let me just ask you a question. 
If you're the president of the United States and you swear an oath to the supreme law of the land, you swear an oath to protect Americans from enemies foreign and domestic, and then you literally say we're going to raise the taxes on the American people to fund a global warming, global, you know, environmental crisis discussion, global change or, you know, environmental change or whatever, um, climate change, whatever words you use. And you're literally going to raise the rates and then companies are going to flee. And so to stop them from fleeing, you literally double down and start working with uh, working with G20 nations. In other words, now you're working on the global stage to agree to a global minimum corporate tax rate that can stop the race to the bottom. You've got to ask yourself that question. Instead of competition globally between countries, is that directly undermining United States sovereignty and undermining your oath of office, which says that you will protect us from enemies, foreign and domestic? At some point, if you literally work on the global stage with the G20 to advocate for and push for these tax minimums and these tax increases, literally forcing or um, you know coercing or whatever term you want to use, exhorting other nations to raise their taxes too, to be in lockstep with at some point, have you undermined your oath to the point of what? Criminal activity? Oh, no, not near that high. Bad actor status? Oh, maybe a bad guy. In preference would disagree on opinion here. Now, you can, But at what point do you say you violated your oath of office? At what point do you say, you know what? You're not advocating for the American people and for the United States of America. You're not keeping your oath of office. In fact, you've got a globalistic agenda that's at odds with the goals and dreams of the United States of America. You're at odds with the oath of office that you've made. You're conflicted, to say the least. In fact, I mean, could it be said that you're consorting with the enemy? Oh, no, Sam, that's way too more. That's way too far. That's way too. That, that, oh, you can't be saying that kind of stuff. Yeah, but at what point do you say they're undermining the very laws and the very country and the very um, nature of the intent of the oath of office in the first place, right? When do you say, wait a minute, you're undermining that. We've gone too far here. You, you know, you could say, well, it's just a matter of opinion. And I would say it's not just a matter of opinion. We're not just talking about opinion here. If you work with a G20, so 20 other countries, and you're the president of the United States, and you work to create, what do you call it, legislation, laws across the world that are at odds with the United States, are you undermining your own legislative body in your own country? Because if you make a global agreement, uh, global tariffs or global trade agreement or whatever you want to call it, right? And tariffs and trade and agreements. And, and at some point you expect to codify that into law. Are you becoming a global legislator as the president of the United States at the expense of your national legislative body? And at some point, doesn't that create a constitutional crisis to have those two collide? Right? you got the national legislative body designed to make the laws in this country. But then you've got a president who's supposed to execute our laws. But yet he's working with an international body to legislate, do you dare say, global governance above 
the federal government? I say that it's not. Um, but if you're the president of the United States and you're working with these global officials, you're almost forcing the global governance to be above the national legislative body, and you're pitting you're pitting globalism against what? America first policies. You got to really ask yourself: When does the president have the right to do that and be on firm ground for the benefit of the people? Versus when does he do that? And he directly undermines the people. You literally have Janet Yellen, the Treasury Secretary, saying we are working with G20 nations to agree to a global minimum corporate tax rate that will prevent a race to the bottom. The worldwide average corporate tax rate right now, ladies and gentlemen, is just under 24%. They want to make it higher. Biden has tasked Janet Yellen with convincing the business community on the global stage that, you know what, global infrastructure funding, in other words, proposing for funding for that, right, and subsequent tax increases will not lead to inflation. Yellen will look for significant international assistance. But I say, uh, compared to what? Assistance from who? Shouldn't we be looking at America to build our economy? Shouldn't we be looking to our own legislative body for guidance on legislative matters? After all, we the people elected that legislative body to do just that, did we not? And if we're going to go to a global legislative group that's outside of the United States, the president's going to be our you want to call it linchpin legislator on the national stage? I mean, the international stage. So Biden's going to be the linchpin legislator, uh, and he's going to have his assistant, Janet Yellen, carry that out on the international stage? Where does that leave our legislative body in America, ladies and gentlemen? Are they to sit on the sidelines? Or are they just simply to rubber stamp, ratify the deal made on the international stage? You've got some real hard questions to answer here, ladies and gentlemen. And what's at stake is our sovereignty. What's at stake? The American individual, especially if you're wealthy, (laughs) and the, quote, corporate, which corporations are nothing more than mere images of individuals, right? Um, Your wallets are at stake, folks. Biden is literally advocating on the international stage to jettison our legislative body, to codify increased taxation on a global level at the expense of the American people and American business. And, of course, he's the president, so he can do anything he wants as a king, right? Wrong. In America, that at least should be wrong. I am Sam Bushman. This is Liberty Roundtable Live. You're listening to Liberty News Radio.
USA Radio News with Lance Pride. Georgia Governor Brian Kemp rips Major League Baseball on Fox News for discrepancy after moving the All-Star game out of Atlanta. The All-Star game from a city that's, you know, or a metro area that's 51% African-American to a metro area that's 10% African-American that has less early voting days than Georgia has. They have 15, we have 17. A follow-up on a surveillance video that captured violence in Manhattan last week where a 65-year-old Asian woman on her way to church was viciously beaten by a complete stranger. The building workers who stood idly by as the woman was brutally attacked are out of a job. They were fired. NYPD is reporting 38-year-old Brandon Elliott has been charged with hate crimes. Attorneys General from Texas and Louisiana on Tuesday took the Biden administration to court, alleging that it is refusing to take custody of illegal immigrants convicted of serious crimes. USA Radio News. Could an ancient mystery be determining the events of our time? Could it reveal the secret of our future? Are recent events a warning that we are approaching judgment? How much time do we have left? Author Jonathan Kahn releases the book that reveals what could not be revealed until now. His newest New York Times bestseller, The Harbinger 2, The Return. Embark on an epic journey to uncover the mysteries and revelations that are changing the world and will change your life. Available online and wherever fine books are sold. Let me get right back to you. Sandra, um, those banners come out tonight. Can you pack them? Indeed. Those unexpected growth can stretch your business thin. Like at Monica's print shop. To fulfill orders on time, she needs to get started hiring right, right away. I need Indeed. Indeed you do. And the moment you sponsor a job on Indeed, you get a short list of quality candidates from our resume database. Visit Indeed.com slash credit and get a $75 credit for your first sponsored job post. Terms and conditions apply. With numerous allegations of human rights abuses, it looks as if the United States will not boycott the Olympic Games in China next year. From the Ohio USA Radio News Bureau, Dan Naraki reports. The Biden administration is considering how to handle next year's Winter Olympic Games in Beijing. The State Department said Tuesday that the administration is consulting with its allies in forming a strategy to handle the Games in China with that country's human rights record. State Department officials clarified that a joint boycott has not been discussed, even though several human rights groups have called on the U.S. to skip the games over China's treatment of Tibet, Hong Kong, and its Uyghur minority. State Department spokesman Ned Price says there is no timeline for a decision on the games, with opening ceremonies not until February of 2022. In 2008, the Olympic Games were held in China for the very first time. Making the TV news circuit, Senator Lindsey Graham, the Republican from South Carolina, called for the United States to shut down the immigration system and have a timeout, like we shut down travel from China, and let's figure this out. USA Radio News. All right, ladies and gentlemen, back with you live. Hard-hitting news that I refuse to use. It's hard to even contemplate the things we're discussing on your radio right now. So not only is Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen going on the global stage saying we've got to have a global tax hike, a minimum tax, not only is Biden calling for increased taxes on the wealthy and on corporations in America, but now Laura Logan. Who's that, you might ask? I'll tell you in just a second. But Laura Logan went on to the Glenn Beck radio program and argued that Biden's border crisis is enabling the most powerful criminal organizations on the earth. 
Yeah. Biden's border crisis is enabling the greatest powerful criminal organizations on the earth. It's hard to even know how to respond to this, folks. Now, it was said on the Glenn Beck program, they say the violence of the cartels is not like anything anyone has ever seen before. Now, I don't even know how to respond to this, but this is what I mean. Where do you say the president has the right to do what he wants to do as president? He's within his bounds. He's within his executive responsibilities. He's within his delegated authority based on the consent of the governed. That's we the people, mind you, right? When is it, but versus when is he not? If he destroys the border, you've got literally criminal organizations. The violence of the cartels is not like anything anyone has ever seen before. All right? Borden, or Biden's border crisis is enabling all this, right? I mean, how do you, what do you do here? How do you deal with a statement like that? And then say it's the president, and you got to understand, is he undermining America? Or is it just, it doesn't really rise to the level of criminality if, if Joe doesn't feel as strong on the border as Donald, then it's just a personal preference of the president, and it's okay. But you're literally kicking Americans out of homeless shelters? And you're replacing them with illegal aliens? Yeah, according to A.J. Lauterbach, former sh- or current sheriff in Texas right now, A.J. Lauterbach, who's been on this radio program, Sheriff Lauterbach says, hey, uh, when the Border Patrol turns the illegals away because of the law, then Joe Biden sends a private secret communique back to the illegals saying, wait a minute, stop, turn around, come back, we'll let you in. And then when that's happening and we find out from uh, investigative journalists like Laura Logan and others, that's who she is, an investigative journalist. I told you I'd come back and tell you who she is. Um, and she's basically saying, hey, you know what? Joe Biden's crisis on the border is enabling the most powerful criminal organizations on the earth. And their violence is like nothing we've ever known or seen before. It's out-of-control violence, right? The violence of the cartels is not like anything anyone has ever seen before. I don't even know how to respond to that kind of criminal activity. Do you, ladies and gentlemen? But yet, what can we, the people, do to stop the president? Well, he was duly elected there, they say. Now, Laura Logan is an award-winning investigative journalist is who she is. All right? Now, listen. We're using border wall construction roads and allowing these people to cross the border much more easily, she continues. Laura has witnessed and experienced firsthand some of the worst violence around the world as an award I'm sorry. Yeah, as a worldwide correspondent for CBS News, she told Glenn that it's not an overstatement to call the cartel to call the cartels in Mexico the most violent and powerful criminal organizations on the face of the earth. They're at war with us and we're asleep at the wheel, she says. Think about that for a minute, folks. I don't even know how to respond to this. And Joe's just letting it happen there, humdum, and 
you Americans that leave the homeless shelters so we can let the illegals in. Border crisis. Climate change. Taking away people's guns. Raising taxes nationally and hey, so you don't flee from the country, just work on the global stage to do the same thing. And how much undermining of American ideals and American rule of law can the president engage in without becoming a criminal himself? How much latitude does he have where we just say, it's just a matter of opinion there. Sam, I don't really want to discuss this. It's very political, and I'm, I'm just not politically, well, I'm just not acclimated for political discussions there. Sam, you just always stir the pot and kind of mix it up and make it work. Sam, and I'm saying, wait a minute, people, this is not an opinion discussion. This is a national security crisis. I don't even think we can call it a border crisis anymore. Okay, when the president over climate change wants to literally control everything you think and do and say and eat and everything else, and then when they literally are enabling the greatest cartels, the greatest criminal enterprises in the world by their actions, and then they're raising taxes and ra- stealing from our wallets, at what point do you say, you know what? We've got to take measures to make this stop. Well, what measures can we take, Sam? We don't want to go to violence. I agree we don't. That's why I'm bringing it up now in hopes that we can find a peaceful remedy. See, I'm all about the peaceful solution. I'm the guy for literally 25-plus years on the radio have literally said almost every single day that, you know what? We reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. I'm not downing America. I'm praising America. I'm not downing other nations. I'm saying we can help them be great, too. All they've got to do is learn about the checks and balances in our Constitution that are the key to our success, backed by a moral society. We need to teach other nations to be moral. We need to be a light on a hill to help them, too. I want to make Mexico great. I want to make China great. I want to make all these countries great. But I can only do it if I set my own house in order first, right? You know, if I'm a parent, how likely am I going to help my kids um, live good, productive lives if I'm not living a good, productive life, right? I mean, it stands to reason that I got to make sure that I got my act together so that I can reach out and help others. I can only pull people to higher ground if I'm on firm ground is the idea, right? So I don't know what needs to be done here, folks. This is the great think tank. I do have some solutions in mind. And I can certainly highlight this reality. Okay. I really have solutions, and I'll get to them in just a second. Sorry for the quick pause. Uh, Laura also offers solutions that the United States can enact to deal with or stop these atrocities around the world. There's more than 30,000 Mexican civilians who are massacred every single year by the criminal cartels. Did you know that? Let me say that again. There's more than 30,000 Mexican civilians who are massacred every year by these criminal cartels that Laura speaks of. And that's just the bodies that the Mexican government knows about and owns up to, right? There's Mexicans buried in unmarked mass graves all across the country. 
And she says the violence by these cartels is beyond what anybody's ever seen before. Believe it or not, it even pales in comparison to, at times, what terrorist groups like ISIS and others have done, she says. Anyway, she went on and explained some of the unspeakable acts of violence and murder that have taken place from the drug cartels, the Mexican cartels, 98% of which go uninvestigated. We don't even dig in and get to the bottom of them. Wow, folks. That's not unprosecuted, Glenn, she says. That's uninvestigated, she emphasized. They get away with it with impunity. The law enforcement guy, the policeman, the Marine, the National Guardsmen who are trying to do the right thing, who are not in the pocket of the cartels, what chance do those guys have? They don't have a chance. You know where they end up if they stand up? In unmarked graves. Anyway, disturbing content in the video that they've got on the uh, website here. And I'm not really praising the Glenn Beck program, but Glenn deserves credit on this for the detailed reporting. So does Laura. It's the Blaze. Yeah, it's the Blaze reporting this, folks. They've got some guts, and they're spot on right. What do we do when the president is the enabler? Somebody round table live in seconds. As the United States boldly stepped forward in the glorious light provided by its new constitution in 1787, the nations of the earth were in awe of the newfound strength and hope of this free land. Today, the nation stands at a crossroads. A divergence from the original intent put forth in the United States Constitution has brought grave threats to our beloved nation. A miracle is needed if the United States is to survive. That miracle is again the pure application of the United States Constitution. I'm Scott Bradley. In my To Preserve the Nation book and lecture series, I bring forth truths that will help raise up a new generation of statesmen like those noble Americans who founded this land. Vigorous application of these principles will invigorate and restore the nation, and we may become again the freest, most prosperous, most respected, and happiest nation on earth. Visit topreservethenation.com to begin that restoration. Okay, girls, about finished with your lesson on money. Daddy, what is a buy-sell spread for gold coins? Well, when you sell a gold coin to a coin shop that's worth, say, $1,200, you don't actually get $1,200. But don't worry, we're members of UPMA now, so we don't have to worry about that. Daddy, what if somebody steals our gold? We don't have any gold at the house. It's stored safely in the UPMA vault, securely and insured. But the S&P 500 outperformed gold. Daddy, gold is a bad investment. Some people do think of it that way. But actually, gold is money. And as members of the United Precious Metals Association, we can use our gold at any store, just like a credit card. Or I can ask them to drop it right into Mommy and Daddy's bank account, because we're a UPMA member family. Find out more at upma.org. That's upma.org. 
All right, back with you live, ladies and gentlemen. So I've asked the serious question last hour and this hour, and I'm going to stick with it. What do we do with these criminal government officials? Take actions that are blatantly against their oaths of office, blatantly undermine the proper role of limited constitutional government, blatantly violate jurisdictional boundaries, blatantly violate their oaths of office, literally work with global uh, organizations and cartels and everything else to undermine the very oath they've taken. Laura Logan says Biden's border crisis is enabling the most powerful criminal organizations on earth. Now let's move along, but listen to this next headline. Ready? Donald Trump said that the Chinese were a problem and that we needed to rein in China. They all mocked President Trump, but he was spot on correct. Not because we hate the Chinese. As a people, they're wonderful people. As a government, though, they have a little bit to be desired. They're communist, right? And we don't really embrace the principles of communism because they're at, what, 180 degrees opposite from what we believe in in America, right? <laughs> you know, if you set the Communist Manifesto side by side of the Constitution, you'll find some striking differences in the approach to things, if you will, right? Well, now Senator Mitt Romney calls for, quote, non-traditional boycott of Beijing Olympics. So I guess they're going to have the Winter Olympics in Beijing, uh, what, 2022? Yeah, so the Winter Olympics, they want to have it in Beijing, China. And now Romney and others are saying, hey, we've got to have a non, what do you call it, non-traditional boycott of China. But Dateline Beijing, now Beijing, warns Washington not to boycott Winter Olympics in Beijing. And then the uh, Chinese begin to kind of say, look, we are telling you, you better not boycott this. You better not stop the Olympics. from. You better not opt out. You better be completely supportive or else. And they threaten repercussions, but they don't really articulate what. What do you think of that? You comfortable with all that? You comfortable with Romney calling for a non-traditional boycott? How would a boycott look, folks? Would it go well for the Americans? Right now, I think not. I don't think it would go well for the Americans at all. In fact, I think it would be a disaster on steroids. Not because I love the Chinese, not because I believe in their communism, but because we've had them as the most favored nation trading partner for literally decades now. And we have become so dependent on the communist Chinese that I'm not so sure we could break away if we wanted to. I'm not saying we could never break away. I'm not saying it's undoable or unsolvable. I'm saying you can't solve it in a day, and you're not going to solve it by protesting the Olympics or boycotting or whatever you want to say, the Olympics. That's not the way you're going to get it done. I don't know what a non-traditional boycott actually means from Romney. What is a non-traditional boycott? And is there an advantage to boycotting the Olympics in 2022, the Winter Olympics anyway? I don't see any value in that at all. Now, as you know, sports team after sports team after sports team has backed the communist Chinese, even above their own citizenry in the United States. Oh, yeah, look at baseball now. Trump's up in arms. Baseball literally inking contracts with the communist Chinese, literally moving from Georgia to Colorado saying, golly, we're not going to be with Georgia because they have voting laws that are not favorable or don't 
they say, don't fall in line with our corporate responsibilities and etc. They go on and on. Okay. But you look at the baseball industry, the basketball, the NBA, and they're all in bed with the communist Chinese. Look, you can't back away from the sports connections that we've created over decades, overnight. You just can't do that. And I'm not advocating for the Chinese. I'm just being realistic about this. You can't chop off. You chop off this stuff overnight and really try to slam the Chinese. You'll create a war, folks. Maybe not a physical war. I pray not, but maybe. But you'll create a financial war like you've never seen before. A couple of decades ago, I I was on the radio, and um, the communist Chinese threatened what they call the nuclear option. And the nuclear option isn't like you think, bombs and nuclear activity in a literal sense. It's a financial nuclear option that they were speaking of. Because they hold a lot of the cards. We're in debt to the communist Chinese. Something fierce. And so I'm not advocating uh, for just, you know, loving and hanging out with the communist Chinese and thinking it's all good. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying, though, is you can't upset the apple cart overnight. You've got to slowly but surely take strategic initiative and plan out. You've got to, you know, set up a, a, a map, a roadmap of the future. How do we distance ourselves from the communist Chinese? How do we build our infrastructure uh, how do we build stability in? How do we create a, an amicable divorce, if you will, um, but not blow up the whole thing in the process? How do you back away and, and get out? I'm not against the Chinese living their lives and having their country and society. And, you know, we can't force them to change and embrace free market principles as we have. And we can't force them to jettison their communist tyrannical agendas. But look, we're on a race to communism ourselves in America. You don't believe me? Go read the 10 planks of the Communist Manifesto and you'll see what I'm talking about. We're on the road to every single one of them. Some much further than others, but I don't see a single Communist Manifesto line item agenda that we haven't embraced in America to a great degree. So I say we need to be very careful. I understand Romney's point that, hey, we got to do a, a, a non traditional boycott of some kind. We got to. But look, you're not going to do good by boycotting the Olympics, okay? It's not going to do any good. Why not use that as a way to say, look, we're all humans and we can work together and we can set aside politics and, and country antics, if you will, uh, and we can take a break and we can have friendly games. We can have the Olympics. It shows that we're all human. It lets us learn about one another's cultures. It's a way to politely learn about one another and influence one another, hopefully for good, right? So I'm not really thinking that boycotting the Olympics is the answer at all. In fact, I think what we ought to do is embrace the Olympics as a way to get along, a way to work together, a greater way to build a common bridge. Hey, these things we have in common, we all love sports, and we love to see uh, incredible uh, people or humans uh, with uh, showcase their talents. We're grateful to have friendly competitions and and. and Learn about one another's cultures. That's awesome. So I wouldn't boycott the Olympics at all. I'll tell you what I would do, though. I would slowly but surely look at all of our trade policies with the communist China. And I would say, listen, we are going to move towards a relatively net zero trade policy. What does that mean? You say, we're not going to have these massive, never-ending, completely lopsided trade deals that reward the communist Chinese at the Americans' expense. We're not going to do that anymore, okay? And I would advocate for a peaceful plan that says, look, we're also not going to take this away from the Chinese today. 
We're going to move slowly. We're going to move methodically. We're going to be patient, but we are going to be um, equitable. And you know what? Every single year, it doesn't have to be exactly zero. It can, it can be plus some, minus some, whatever you want to say. But we're going to eventually put America's economic interests above capitulating to the communist Chinese to the tune of siphoning off of trillions of dollars for the Americans every year. That's not a fair deal. So we need to build a fair, honest, open equity between the nations of the earth. And we do that by putting America first. We do that by rewarding nations that embrace free market economies. We do that by jettisoning the principles that allow the communist Chinese to play enough in the free market to take all of our money off the table and then use that to build their military and then eventually threaten hostilities to us. See, we're not going to do that anymore. And so I would put together probably a five to ten year plan because this is Solutions Radio. And I would work on eventually um, creating a net zero trade policy where we say, look, we're not going to trade a whole lot more to you guys than we get back from you guys. We're not going to have these deficits forever. I'm going to give you a 10-year time frame to build your economy and strengthen your economy and embrace the free market principles enough to where you can stand on your own without a big old influx of cash from the Americans. We're going to do that, China, and you're going to play ball in doing that, and we're going to be peaceful in doing it. It's going to happen slowly but surely, one item at a time. you got plenty of time to scramble, plenty of time to work on it. We're not going to yank the rug out from under you. We're going to be kind to the peoples of the world, but we are going to lead by example. That's what I would do on that quote, trade front. What I would do with the president of the United States is I think he needs to be brought up on international criminal charges. Why? Because he's literally going to globalists to work legislatively to pass global legislation that would literally completely undermine American sovereignty. And I think that we need to go to our congressional representatives and say, you need to look at the president's actions here. And uh, if he is undermining American sovereignty, if he is working on a global stage through Janet Yellen, Uh, to circumvent your legislative body, then I demand you legislators, we, the people, demand you legislators on the House, all 435 of you, and on the Senate, all 100 of you, so 535 people, you people need to find out if what he's proposing and what he's working on and what he's doing undermines your sovereign authority, undermines your duties codified by the supreme law of the land the constitution for the united states of america we expect you to stand up and jealously guard your responsibilities we delegated authority to you legislative body via the written contract with america the constitution and the president doesn't have the right to farm that out to a global international body and so we expect you to hold him accountable each branch of government and the dual sovereignty between the states and the federal government the states and the legislative body should be holding the president accountable here and reining him in and ratcheting him down by the change of the Constitution to only carrying out his constitutional duties. And for the Congress not to do this, for the states not to do this, I consider a dereliction of duty on their side for not only uh, doing nothing, but they're supposed to jealously guard their delegated authority. They're supposed to rein in the other branches of government. The checks and balances are key to the constitutional exercise. And so I want to point out solutions on your radio. I don't want to be the guy that gives you complaints for two hours. I want to be the guy that doubles down, triples down in solutions. We, the people, need to demand this of our congressional critters. And if they do the job, then great. If they don't, we need to literally next election replace them with people who will. Peacefully, kindly, but insistently that, you know what, we demand you rein in this out-of-control president. He's lost his mind. He thinks he's a king. 
I don't know what he thinks, but he has no business, no right going on the international stage and literally creating a minimum global tax. Who's going to collect the global tax? The United Nations? A global IRS? Is that what you want to see? An international, what would they call that? The IRS? Okay, how is this all going to go down, folks? Oh, don't worry, Sam. Each country will police their own citizens by, yeah, how will China collect the tax from their citizens? How will Mexico, how will these other countries do it? The IRS in America is bad enough. These other countries will be way worse. Wow. All right, by the way, did you hear over the weekend, cybersecurity experts revealed that a half a billion, not million, I'm talking billion with a B, a half a billion Facebook users had their personal information breached. Yeah, a treasure trove of data, including full names, birthdays, phone numbers, locations, emails, and more. A half a billion folks got hacked. And Facebook says, sorry, can't get the information back. All right, where do you get the hard-hitting news the networks refuse to use? Answer, LibertyRoundTable.com, LovingLiberty.net. I am Sam Bushman, and I declare we the people, along with the grace of the Almighty, we can and will restore America. The only question left is, will you help God save the republic this nation shall endure?